How to Grow Your Business with a Reception Service with Bree Swanson, episode 333. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Hello and welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and uh, I have a great guest today. Um, My team drummed up a a connection for me uh, with somebody who I think you're going to enjoy talking to, or at least you're going to listen to my conversation with her. But I'm going to be the mouthpiece for all of you. You all know that I try to think of the questions that you're going to ask, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna do just that. We're gonna have a great conversation. And um, as usual, if you're driving, running, in the shower, all the things that you might be doing, washing dishes, putting the kids to bed, uh, while you're listening to us, do not worry. We've got you covered. There is a show notes page for this episode where you can get a summary of what we discussed. You can. Uh, download a checklist or worksheet that my team put together. You can also see the resources section, anything that we discussed today, any links, um, any books or other podcasts or anything like that that comes up, all of that will be linked in the resources section. So you do not have to worry about taking notes, being in a position to write anything down. You can simply do your thing and listen to our conversation. Uh, so our guest today is Bree Swanson. Bree is the operations leader at Lex Reception. Um, she's a, uh, that's a boutique legal 24-7 answering service. Uh, Bree has worked for the company for over a decade and helped to start Lex Reception back in 2011. She started out answering calls and then moved to sales and management before moving into leadership and operations. She wears many hats and is passionate about helping solo and mid-sized law firms scale their firms while being able to untether from the phone. She has worked from home for over 10 years and has been managing a remote team for many of those years as well. So excited about all of this because there is a lot we can dive into. If you're interested in learning more about our Elite Lawyer Program, it all starts with an absolutely free coaching session. So you can book a free coaching session with my coaching staff um, where they will spend um, the time with you to help you understand and uh, and overcome the things that might be getting in your way of achieving your success, uh, you'll leave that coaching session invigorated and inspired to be able to continue moving in the right direction. Now, in full disclosure, at the end of that coaching session, they're going to potentially offer you the opportunity to join our elite lawyer coaching program. That is the only way that you can get into that. Um, so if that's something that interests you. If you would like some help along the way, uh, then go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching, profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching takes you right to a calendar booking link. You got to answer some questions on a form there, grab a spot on the calendar, and there's absolutely no commitment. You just have that coaching session, see how you feel, and then decide whether you want to continue the ride with us. Bree, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's absolutely my pleasure, and I we really appreciate your time. We know you're busy running a remote team, um, but we get you for the next hour or a little bit less than that. And uh, really, um, I'm really excited about what we might talk about. But 
I like to give a nice little softball right over the plate when we start and just ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Bree and how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, thanks for the easy the easy entry there, Moshe. I who is Bree? In a nutshell, I am first and foremost a mom. Um, I have a little four-year-old boy that I, I absolutely adore, and he consumes a lot of my life. I live in the beautiful Boise, Idaho. Um, I am, like you said, the operations leader of Lex Reception, and it's Lex is a brand that I am very passionate about. Um, like you said, I've, I've worked from home for over a decade. I'm really passionate about working from home and providing knowledge and some of the lessons that I've learned in my spare time. I love to travel. I love to be outdoors. As most people that, that live in the Pacific Northwest, I hail from the Portland, Oregon area um, originally. So I've lived in Boise for a little over five years and um, just love being outside. So I think that's a little bit about me personally and professionally like you said my my road to operations leader was kind of organically started i didn't plan on being with the company for this month marks 13 years wow. um, back when i yeah back when i initially started i was answering calls i was in university and i needed um, I needed a job with some quick cash. So I picked up a traditional call center job. I commuted to the office every day and I went down into a basement. I picked up a headset and I got to work answering call after call. I realized pretty quickly this wasn't probably going to be my forever dream. Um, and I answered calls for about a year or so before moving into the sales department. And that's really my background is sales. I fell in love with working with attorneys. I fell in love with being able to help them scale their law firms with different tools. Now, keep in mind, this was, you know, 10 plus years ago, working from home wasn't cool back then. It was really, really unknown. So help to pave the path um, for my company working from home. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we landed um, just again, organically being able to sell for several years, travel to different trade shows, get to know the legal industry. Um, and then ultimately ended up in operations as Lex brand started to scale. I needed to take off some of those hats that you mentioned, um, pass, pass the baton, so to speak, and be able to really scale the brand with, with more team members and different leadership. So now I'm, I have the privilege of having a really small team of amazing leaders that have teams under them who some of them have teams as well. So um, we are at our 10 year anniversary here at Lex Reception and we've got about 3000 customers and about 200 full time employees. So not massive, but not, you know, just me anymore, kind of leading the pack. So it's it's been one of the, the biggest privileges and something that I'm really, really proud of throughout my career. I, I absolutely love your journey. Um, one of the things over the, my right shoulder behind me and for anybody who's watching video, but you can see it, uh, there's a book called Traction. And um, in that book, Gina Wickman talks about the the roles of the visionary and the integrator at the at the top of the company. Um, and the visionary is it, typically your business owner. It's the person who's got all the ideas. And they, sometimes those ideas come too quick. Sometimes they're too quick to try to execute on them, uh, make the team crazy because you're always trying half-baked ideas. But 
they're not usually the one who makes things happen. Uh, usually that's the integrator role. And um, many people, uh, this even came up yesterday in, in another interview I was doing. Um, many people wonder, like, how do you hire an integrator? How do you, you know, how do you find an integrator? And the reality is, is that um, the best way to do that is uh, what my coach calls the mailroom strategy, where you hire somebody for the mailroom. And then when when they do they do well at that job, you then give them more responsibility and move them into the next role. Uh, so you, somebody transitions naturally um, through the the phases or the steps until they get to uh, that integrated role. Uh, I'm in that position right now. Uh, my number two um, uh, recently left for. Um, uh, he had an opportunity to to do business together with a bunch of family members, and and that was his calling. Uh, so he went to do that. So I have an open position, this integrator role. I am not hiring for that role. I'm hiring an executive assistant, and that mm -hmm. person's going to start and just do some regular stuff like managing my email and booking my flights and things like that. And if that person does that really well, then they'll get more responsibility and they'll slowly step into that role where I know that I'm putting somebody in who's who's a good fit, who knows what's going on in the company, who um, and who's and who's dedicated to the task. Um, so looking at your uh, your trajectory through Lex Reception, um, you know, that's exactly how a business owner would like to see their their executive staff get there rather than bringing in somebody from the outside who maybe they have the experience, but maybe they don't um, they don't have the passion about the company like somebody who's brought up with from within. Absolutely. And in my role, one of the things that I get to do is meet with every new leader who comes into the company, whether that's external or more typically in our company, it's it's internal being promoted. Um, and, and that's one thing that I almost always will say is if they ask for a piece of advice, I'll say something along the lines of master your role first and foremost, master that, and then start wearing the hats of the role that you want to do or the role that you see yourself in and make yourself that point person where people think, wow, Brie, she's always raising her hands for projects. She's the one. And I actually can't do my job successfully or I don't want to without her. So people start thinking about you. Executive leadership starts leaning on you more and you become essential for a role that maybe you don't even have. And I know that when Lex Reception started, we had myself and we had one um, guy in uh, marketing pumping some Google AdWords and then we had someone in client services. And so the roles that I've had have actually been created for me out of the necessity to scale the brand. So companies I, these days are a lot more open to creating roles for people when, when you're just doing the hard work. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important for, you know, our, our listeners are law firms, right? They're law firm owners. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, sometimes it, it becomes hard to, to see how this relates to you. Right. Um, and the reality is, is that within the law firm, you know, first of all, it's not unheard of for somebody who was a receptionist to then decide to go to law school. So that's all, that's a possibility, but there's so that what happens is, is we think about the firm as it is today. 
And we don't necessarily think about if I were to grow the way that I want to, what would it look like five years from now? And that's essentially what you're saying is like when I when we started, we only need one person to answer phone calls. And then when we started to get clients, suddenly we needed two people and three people. And now all of a sudden we needed somebody to oversee those people or we needed somebody to bring in the clients to 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 make that phone ring. So, you know, there there became a need for a sales role once our marketing started working and we actually had, you know, had a product to sell uh, in the law firm, it's the same thing, right? It's as the firm grows and as the clients come in, new roles are going to be required. You don't need an office manager or business manager on day one, but when you now have two attorneys and two paralegals and three file, three legal clerks and, and a receptionist, all of a sudden, Hey, you need an, you need a business manager. You need somebody who's gonna who's gonna make sure everybody's doing what they need to do. So that happens as as the growth happens, and I think that we need to help people envision that um, because so that you can see what opportunity is there. Because some of the things we worry about is like how can I bring on good talent if I don't have a success path for them? Like, so why would somebody come and want to work for me if all they can do is answer the phones and there's never something for them to move up to from there? But if you realize that it's an evolving process, you you can honestly paint the picture of growth for that person, even if there is no role above that right now when they start. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to go somewhere where you probably don't expect me to go because um, there's so much that you have to offer with your experiences that we can hone in on. But one of the things that a lot of um, our lawyers are struggling with is, is, is staffing and finding those people. Um, and interestingly, I, what I want to do is I want to kind of look at you as, as the epitome of like the A player that we're looking for, right? You clearly have, have initiative. You're, you're, you're acting um, my, my friend, Molly Hall, Molly McGrath, um, she, she was, um, a, 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 um, and a guest here on the podcast. She was also a speaker at our law firm growth summit, um, in 2019. And, um, she has a company called empower hiring and empowering uh, solutions. Uh, so I hope I got that right. We're going to link that up in the show notes. Anyway, um, she helps uh, law firms grow uh, by not only providing staffing services, but by also helping uh, shape the first 90 days of that person's uh, journey in the firm and, and make sure that they get started on the right foot. So they coach the, the lawyers on how to do that. Um, but one of the things that she, a, a, a term she dubbed is the intrapreneur. And the way that she describes that is the employee who acts like the entrepreneur. Right. The employee who is so engaged in the mission of the company that they take the, the mission and the role, the, the responsibility of the success of the company as a personal ownership. Like they own they own the success of the company and therefore they're going to do whatever is necessary for that success, even if it means working late sometimes or it means, you know, going out of their comfort zone and flying somewhere where they, you know, uh, maybe they would rather be at home with their, you know, with their son. Um and I'm getting that from you. Like you are the typical poster child to int the entrepreneur for that somebody would want in their business. So where, how does somebody find you? 
right? Like how, like, what is the, what is the, the job description that attracted you? What is the type of questions or the type of, of, of leader that interviewed you that attracted you to the business? Um, or how do you find a players when you're looking for people? That's a great question and a huge compliment. Thank you so much for that. And I, I really do think that I, I 100% agree with having that ownership mentality versus I'm just an employee. I think that's that's a big piece of also the Disney culture. And everyone knows Disney Disney is kind of this echelon of customer service. And you know, if you see a piece of trash laying on the ground, pick it up. Don't just walk by it type of thing. So um, I, I think when I was looking for a job initially, you know, 13 years ago, things were a lot different. And as leadership, as business owners, as attorneys looking to scale their firms, we have to be mindful that the employment market has shifted. Um, The great resignation, COVID, like things are way different now and employees expect more from their employees. They're, they're holding leadership to a, to a higher level. And I I think that one thing that really ties into it is this work from home piece. Whereas three years ago, four years ago, my company was leading the pack. And that was a huge thing that set us apart was the work from home. And now that's part of the expectation, at least a hybrid model for employees. Employees aren't going to be wanting to come into the office happily five days a week, six days a week. So there's so many benefits to being able to work from home. And it's essential to my way of life. I've been working from home for over 10 years, and it's really incredible to see other industries adopting remote working as well, especially attorneys, which a few years ago, it was like unimaginable in, in that industry for them to think about working from home or be accepting. Um, our staff has worked from home for many, many years. And I know when attorneys would call in and ask the questions about, will you hear babies crying? Will you hear dogs barking? And it was, there was a stigma around working from home. And now it's shifted maybe a bit too much, in my opinion, where you'll be on a call and you'll hear you'll hear on the attorney's end, maybe babies or, or, or dogs. But I think that it's a lot more, I know that it's a lot more widely accepted today, which is amazing. Um, we get to cut down on the commute times, which we know leads to greater mental and physical health for employees and also the attorneys. Um, I know there's, you know, nothing like a good old fashioned road rage to set the tone for your day coming in on bumper to bumper traffic. So that's something work from home employees don't have to deal with. Um, not even, you know, not to mention we're sitting June 2022 and gas pumps are the highest, you know, prices that we've seen in history. So that those type of things play into that expectation. Um, also, we're seeing a lot of law firms completely downsize their office or just eliminate them altogether with that overhead of being able to offer employment opportunities remotely. Um, and also to, to answer your question, I think being able to find kind of the poster child for working hard and maybe starting at the bottom and working your way up, being able to work remotely doesn't limit you geographically. You can find talent in different counties or different states that maybe you wouldn't have been able to three or four years ago. So it really opens up that diversity for the talent pool. Um, So being, like I said, being a mom myself, I can attest to how important it is for me to be able to look at my schedule differently. I don't have to be here nine to five. I can 
make my kiddo breakfast in the morning, drop him off, come in, hit six or seven meetings, you know, go for a walk, listen to a podcast, pick him up, and I'm still getting the same amount of work done. And this is the direction that the workforce is in now. These are the type of perks and flexibility that you're going to need in order to attract the ideal candidates. So what I'm hearing you say is that if you want to attract good talent, you need to you need to not only provide these things, um, which are being a flex work schedule and and flex work location, um, but you also need to highlight that in you know when when you're promoting, hey, you know we're hiring. Yeah, we might seem like a boring old law firm, but the reality is is that we love our employees, and this is the, these are the things that we do to to enhance their lives and to make them. Uh, enjoy their job more and perform better. Uh, and, and you put that up front when you when you're out there looking for people so that it it gets somebody interested. Um, let's just assume that you do those things, right? You're attracting the people, but now you have to select somebody, right? You got it. What are you doing when you're evaluating somebody? How are you determining that this person has the potential of growing into uh, somebody who who wants to take you know, the, the, the rungs on the ladder and climb them. Right. Like, um, and I know when you started, you, you said, look, I was just getting a job to have a job. Right. I, I never intended to stay. I never intended to, to move up from here, but now the business is in a different place. Right. And, and when you're bringing people on, uh, you know, maybe you are looking for, for people who are interested in, uh, in, in making more than just making more out of it than just answering phones. Right. So how do you evaluate for that when, when you're, when you're in the hiring process? So I think one of the main things that I try to keep in mind in the hiring process is that my expectation is when that people are showing up for an interview, they're showing up as the, their best selves. They're putting their best selves forward during the interview. And a lot of times interviews are happening remotely over Zoom, over video. And so even then, I try to be mindful of how is someone dressed from the waist up, at least. And I don't think well, do you tell them to stand up. No, no <laughs> just from just from the waist up. Not, I don't want you to stand up. I don't want to see what's going on down there. Um, but, you know, how, how are they dressed? And I don't think that the expectation these days is a suit and tie by any means. So just that they're polished. Also, what's happening in the background? You will not believe some of the wild things that I have personally experienced on remote interviews. People cooking breakfast. Um, have having undergarments hanging to dry in the background, um, a disheveled bed, which is just so distracting and it takes away from the interview and also makes me wonder about self-awareness, which we all know is huge. So I think that it's not, there. there's not massive takeaways in the inter interview process. It's just being mindful of how they're showing up, how they're presenting themselves in an interview. And when it comes to where, where I can really speak for hiring for a receptionist, that's really where Lex Reception comes in. Um, I do a lot of my hiring um, for phone intake. And I know that attorneys are looking for that as well. So I can speak to that piece um, before actually getting into, you know, how, how you can hire for that. I think prefacing that with the attorney should not be the one answering the calls mm -hmm. ever. 
ever, ever, ever the first call. Um, so if, if that's a possibility, great. If it's not, let's get you there. Um, that can be a really slippery slope. If the attorney is answering, people are calling in, you're giving out free legal advice. It's easy for a receptionist to be that barrier. If potential new clients are asking questions or existing clients, even we want to get those billable hours in there, but a receptionist or a service like Lex can say something like, those are great questions that the attorney will be able to answer for you. Whereas the attorney can't really say it's awkward for the attorney to say that. And by the time you get off the phone, you've already answered 10 questions for free and you're late to your next appointment. So um, definitely thinking through the strategy for the attorney of who's going to be answering those calls, whether you're able to hire someone in-house or outsource it to a company like an, an answering service like Lex. Um, and I think that one of the most important things, if not the most important thing to keep in mind while hiring is the empathy factor. The person handling your calls is going to hear some really hard stuff. People aren't typically calling attorneys because they've won the lottery and they want to figure out how to allocate that to family. You know, like it's it's hard stuff. It's divorce. It's bankruptcy. It's criminal defense. It's DUIs. Um, so making sure that the person handling the calls knows that going in and knows that it's okay to take like a mental breather or walk around if you hear some heavy stuff, take some time. So allowing space for that. Um, I also think really clear written and verbal communication skills is going to be important with the person handling your calls. Getting a message that says, John called, call him back, isn't helpful. That doesn't help anybody. Um, also, organization, being able to multitask, especially if you're hiring someone in-house to handle the calls, it's not super cost effective to just have them handling calls. It's expensive. People are expensive right now, especially rightfully so. So make sure that they can do multiple things at one time. So um, once you hire someone, then um, you can kind of get into to more of the training, but those are kind of my initial tips that I would say be mindful of in the hiring process. Yeah, those are all, all good stuff. And, and some of the things that I wouldn't have thought about without you mentioning it. So I appreciate you going through that. Um, I, I want to switch gears here you, because you mentioned something really critical, which is that the attorney should never be answering the, the phone. Um, and I, I want to add one more point. You know, if the attorney answers the phone, what does that say about how good that attorney is, right? Um, if I'm a potential client and I'm calling a law firm and the attorney answers the phone, I immediately start questioning, well, why does he, why is he answering the phone? Why isn't somebody else answering the phone? Maybe he's the only one. It's just him. And then it's like, okay, well, if, he's not successful enough to be able to just hire somebody to answer the phone. Is he really going to be able to represent me? Um, so, uh, and, and there are solos out there that have no plans of ever ha hiring a receptionist. And I get that, but that as, as somebody who's looking for, for a solution to their problem, they don't necessarily want a solo. <laughs> they want an attorney who's going to solve the problem for them. So they're not really, they, they don't really care if that's your business model, um, which is, you know, an argument for a reception service. You could stay a solo. You can, you know, you can have somebody else answer your phone. You don't have to actually hire a receptionist. Um, but so along the lines of, of having somebody answer your phone, uh, I want to talk about 
specifically the the reason for reception service versus hiring a receptionist. And, um, you know, some of them I've talked about ad nauseum here on the podcast. So I'm just going to go through those. But I wonder if you have anything more to add to that. Um, First of all, when you have when you have a receptionist in the in, in the office, you have all kinds of issues like what if that person is already on the phone or what if that person takes a sick day, a vacation day? Who's going to answer the phone then? Then you have after hours, you know, what happens? Or um, so you got overflow, you got if they're not available, uh, you got uh, you got after hours concerns. Uh, what are some other reasons that somebody would want to have their phones answered by a reception service as opposed to a receptionist in the office? Well, I think that you hit on a lot of the really strong points. Um, it, let's think about the value of one missed call. Mm-hmm. You know, it, theoretically, you're spending our attorneys are spending money for their marketing. They're maybe working with a digital marketing agency. They've got some ads out there. They're doing some social campaigns, what have you. Maybe it's just word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal is to get the phone to ring. So when it rings, we know the data shows that 80% of people who reach a voicemail are going to hang up that are prospecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also know, like you said, that calls don't always come in Monday through Friday. They definitely don't always come in when the receptionist is sitting there doing nothing. They always seem to come in at the most inconvenient times. So I was actually reading the legal trends report that Clio, um, a CRM system, recently put out. And it was interesting because the data, and I'll, and I'll probably be dropping some data um, throughout this and it'll be coming from them as well, but it was showing that reaching out to a law firm over the phone is the number one way that people want to initially contact an attorney. Um, they want to be able to call. And we see that people are more open to video call. People are more open to online systems and automated tools, of course. But what we have not seen a decline and we've even seen an uptick in is people wanting to prospects wanting to call in and talk to somebody while they're shopping around. Mm-hmm. That data is not decreasing. The phone is not dead. So data shows that people want to call in. They want to talk to a live person for their initial consultation. So with an answering I wanna, service. I want to add I want to add another point from the Clio Trends report. And this is going back to Clio's 2019 report. So a few years mm-hmm. back, Clio did a test and they they made believe that they were a prospective client and they reached out to 2000 law firms throughout the United States. And 66% of those law firms either never answered the phone never called back after the initial conversation or never returned a voicemail that was left. Um, so that just Wild. highlights the fact that you have a massive opportunity. If you just answer the phone that you are already in the upper one third of all law firms out there, right? Mm-hmm. That you know that if you've got in your market, there's four other attorneys who do the same thing as you, by answering the phone, you've narrowed the selection for that you know particular client, potential client, from one out of four to one out of two law firms that they're going to hire, right? Um, so it's pretty incredible um, how much of a difference it can make to get that call answered and to do something about it, right? Like you can't just get the phone answered and then ignore it. Um, I can tell you, I personally, I've called lawyers and I've got re- a reception service. And left a message and I never got a call back. So mm-hmm. 
it's not just having the reception service to answer the call, but it's having a process behind it to make sure that that per, that per, person who called gets communicated with as the next step. Absolutely. And the in the 2021 legal trends report that I was um, reading over the number one factor of influencing whether or not someone is going to choose to hire the lawyer was responsiveness to questions. And how to your point, attorneys just aren't responding. They're just not picking up the phone. So one small piece, which is a huge advantage to your competitors is having someone just answer the call quickly, be friendly, go through a few of the intake questions and get them scheduled on your calendar. That's it. Because people don't want to spend their Saturday afternoon calling around 15 law firms and scheduling five consultations. No, they want to have a small list. They want to call one or two attorneys, get a good feeling, get a free consultation booked and be done with it. It's so dicey. The legal process is, is so dicey. It's so hard. If you can make one piece of it easy, that's such a small win for the prospect. Like, I'm good. I got a good feeling. Let's get in. Let's do this. Um, and, and just kind of put yourself ahead of the game where your competitors are, are concerned. Now, we, I have another question that, that I'm about to ask you, but I realized that you didn't finish your thought about what's the value of a lost call. Is there mm -hmm. more to that? Like, is there, so we understand why the phone needs to be answered that answering the phone puts you way ahead of your competition. It really, I mean, it, it really sets the tone for the potential of that person becoming a client, but what is a cost if you miss that call or if you don't return that call? Um, and you started talking about the, the fact that people are spending money on marketing and that's true, but I like to focus on the opportunity costs, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's your, your close rate might be 50% of the people that come for a consult become a client, right? But how many of the leads, how many of the times the phone rings end up booking that consult to begin with? And that's really where the hidden um, money is that, that, that people don't realize is you're probably not going to be able to significantly change the close rate of the people you're meeting with. Yeah. You can go to sales training. You can get better at what you do. You can bring in a professional salesperson, have them be doing the sales, those things, but you'll move it a little bit. If you move it 60%, 70%, it's not going to move the needle that drastically in your success. But if you look at the leads coming in or the phone ringing, right? And not every phone call is a potential client. It could be an existing client. It could be a wrong number, right? But if you look at the phone rings, I don't know, 10 times a day, five days a week, to, you know, so there's 20 days in a month. So it's ringing 200 times in a month. Well, if you're booking 10 consults, then you've got a 5% rate of, of return on those phone, on the phone ringing. What if you can get that to 10%? You can double the amount of consoles that you have, right? Ab absolutely. And I think that one, it is such an unknown. When I go to conferences or I, I talk to leads and I, I say, how, how many calls are you getting on a typical day? More times than not, it's a big question mark, which mm -hmm. is a huge opportunity for the firm. And so I've been kind of back to back conferences. Last week I was in um, Nashville at the Tennessee State Bar um, 
event and I had somebody walk up and we kind of started chatting about the service. And I, I asked him, how many calls do you typically get? No idea. So he pulls out his cell phone and we go through his call log just from mm -hmm. yesterday, just, and it was all red, 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 red. And we counted 15 missed calls and they were unknown numbers. None of mm -hmm. them were saved as contacts. So if you're getting, you know, 10, 15 calls a day, what opportunity is there that you're just completely not even getting to. And I think about one of my clients, her name's Peggy. And for probably two years, her and her husband, Tim are bankruptcy attorneys, really, really busy bankruptcy attorneys. And for about two years, I would go to their conference and I would say, you need to sign up with us. Y'all need us. I know we can help you. And I think one, one time I, I caught her, I think she was pregnant and maybe hormonal and she just signed up for the service. And, um, she, and in, in her review or testimony is actually on our website after the first weekend where they had no staff for years and years, we were able to schedule, I think two or three consultations that turned into retainers and we paid for ourselves for the entire year off of the first weekend. And it's stories like that with just the unknown calls. I would say, try out a service just even for a month or two. And the ROI is so quick on just catching those calls and being able to schedule the consultations, give yourself more of an opportunity to close that business. Whereas right now it's just going in the trash. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I love that there's another nuance that I discovered from my marketing friends, um, that when you have a 24, are you 24 hours? Mm -hmm. Yep. When you have a 24 seven reception service that's engaged and answering the phone for your firm, you're technically allowed to put your business hours on Google as 24 seven. So when somebody is sitting at night at 10 o'clock at night, searching for a solution to their problem and five law firms come up in the map pack and yours says open and all the others say closed, oh. they're more likely to then call you at that moment because you're listed as open in Google. And mm -hmm. that can drive that can drive the phone call that you may not have ever gotten. So you don't you can't quantify that either. But suddenly you might start real start getting night, calls at night and on the weekends that you were never getting before, because when people are looking for a solution, they're going to call the one who's open. They don't want to call and leave a message. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, OK, I'll call these other ones tomorrow. But tomorrow they forget about it. They never get they never get around to it. Right. Right now they're in that pain point. They're looking, they're searching they're They want an, an answer. Um, and that's when you have to be available for them. Um, so that's another you know, another little trick that you can use once you engage a 24 seven service. Yeah. And kind of a funny, a funny, maybe good problem to have is be mindful though. If someone does call in at 10 PM, I know that our team has answered calls before and we go through a great intake. We get them scheduled, which is amazing to wake up as an attorney and see two new consults on your calendar while you're sleeping, but be aware if they come in and they're expecting to see grace at the front desk who they just spent 15 minutes on, you know, the night before having an intake. Whereas actually grace, grace isn't my employee. Technically she's with my intake. So, um, just, just kind of funny when, when they talk to us and they expect to see, because we, we do want to come off as an extension of the law firm. We mm -hmm. want people to think a lot of times that we are sitting right there, whether they have a brick and mortar or not. So you can really use the service in different ways. So people feel like you have a bigger presence 
rather than just that kind of one man or one woman show. Yeah. So this, you know, this brings me to the question that I was going to ask before when I went back to the, you know, the cost of a missed call. Um, and I said that I have something that I want to ask. And it was exactly this question. Is it better to represent the virtual receptionist engaged as an outside service as a person in the firm or is it better to let them know hey by the way i'm an answering service but i am able to do xyz and let me just expound on the question because i have my own personal experiences where i actually i i really don't like it when mm -hmm. i feel duped that i was talking to somebody who i thought can 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 help me and really they can't and i'll give you the perfect example when i call my pediatrician's office and I get somebody who answers the phone and I start telling them why I'm calling and I need the doctor and I need, you know, my kid is sick and blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, um, okay, um, hold on a second. Let me take some notes so that I could send it to the doctor. And I'm like, well, am I not talking to the doctor's office? Mm -hmm. Oh no, you're talking to an answering service. So, um, Nobody likes to not know that they're talking to an answering service, even if the answering service is capable of looking up my child's patient record and sending that information to the doctor when they send it out. Um, and especially if I'm not going to get a call back from the doctor, you know, I want to know that I want to, you know, so um, and I've had this with for me when I'm calling attorneys, it's not because I need legal services, it's because we have a, they told me to call about XYZ or they're a client of mine, right? And nothing frustrates me more than when I reach my client's office and I want to talk to them and the person, you know, asks me for my information or whatever, and I'm never going to get them. They're not transferring the call, right? They're going to say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, he or she is unavailable right now. You know, let me leave a message for them. Um, so I'm curious to know, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's different schools of thought and different you know, ways to think about it. And it's a personal decision, but I'm curious to know what you recommend to your clients as to how your staff should represent themselves. At what point, at what point, if any, should they tell the person they're talking to, by the way, I'm a virtual receptionist and yes, I'm able to set up a consult and I'm able to do X, Y, and Z, but anything further, all I'm doing is taking your information and sending it to the firm. And here's what you can expect as far as a response from them. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this topic? And, and, and how do you, how do you guide somebody who doesn't have an opinion one way or the other? And they just look for you to be like, Hey, what's the best practices? I think that's a really relevant question um, and it comes up all the time because in our in our process when we're building scripts that's one of the first questions that we ask is what is our role are we your answering service are we your receptionist are we purely intake so that gives the receptionist who is answering the agent who's answering the call right away they know what hat they're wearing for that law firm so i think it ties back to Though what we talked about earlier with the responsiveness from attorneys back to their clients, that's the number one reason that clients are booking with attorneys. They're hiring attorneys is their responsiveness. They want to know, like, I just called in, the attorney is going to give me a call back in 24 hours or 48 hours. So I think it's really, it's a balance between if we say right away, hey, you've reached XYZ law firm, this is Brie, I'm with the answering service. 
immediately, I think people are kind of put off and they're like, oh, they can't help me like goodbye. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and so we don't, you know, our job is to represent our client who's the law firm and getting that intake information. So I wouldn't recommend saying it right away. um, So we can get that engagement from them. Um, I think that in, I do think that transparency with the receptionist role is important, not only for the caller, but also for the agent. If you're an answering service and you have to pretend to a point that it gets sketchy, then when you do, you know, be honest, so to speak, then it's just kind of weird. Um, so I, I think putting it somewhere in the middle of the script where they start asking questions and having cues and supportive um, kind of responses for the receptionist of maybe not necessarily answering service, but more something like I'm off site. I'm actually the offsite receptionist, but let me get this right over to the attorney. And I think in the legal field, there's a bit more understanding around, like, I'm not the attorney, but let me get all the information over. Let me get you scheduled and you can talk to the attorney. But, and then it comes down to that responsiveness. Set the agent up for success and the caller up for success by saying, you can expect a call back in less than 24 hours. Or we, we will be, you know, sending you paperwork right after this call, be on the lookout for some initial paperwork so they know what the next steps are. It's like when you call in to the airline, it's been my life lately trying to call airlines, and they tell you up front, it's going to be 55 minutes. I'm initially kind of annoyed. I'm like, oh, it's going to be 55 minutes, but I'm less annoyed knowing, okay, I have to sit here for 55 minutes. Now I can do dishes. I can do my laundry versus being completely in the dark and thinking it's going to be 10 minutes. And then 55 minutes later, I'm enraged when someone gets on the phone because I didn't know what I was in for. So it's really about paving that path of what the communication looks like after we get off of this call. Um, But I do think that there's value in providing transparency around the role of whoever's answering, not right out of the gate, but somewhere in the call that like there are limitations, but I can absolutely help you get to the attorney on this call, whether that's through a consultation or a transfer. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think um, to your point of, hey, you know, I'm Grace, but if you call into the firm tomorrow and ask for Grace, you're not going to be able to get me. I think that's important um, to share. Uh, and maybe you don't share it in, hey, you're not going to get me. But uh, you, once you say um, I'm, I'm a I'm, I'm the offsite receptionist. Uh, you can also say, by the way, you know, attorney X is the person who you would be talking to for your legal matters, but so-and-so in the, you know, in office is the person that you're going to interact with for other issues like they, mm-hmm. or, you know, or, 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 or communication, you know, between you and the firm, uh, or this person is going to be, is going to be, is going to be the one that you have to talk to about any sort of billing issues, like giving them some names of uh, introducing the people that they're going to interact with as, as they, uh, progress with their relationship with the firm, it probably will be helpful for them. And they really appreciate it rather than them needing to try to figure it out later. Um, I kind of remember, when I went to sleepaway camp for the first time, I was lucky enough to have an older brother who was there. Right. So everyone else, when they got off the bus was like, where do I go? And trying to figure out like, and completely lost. It's a completely disorienting feeling and can really affect like your first week in camp because you, you almost like after five minutes, you wanted to go home and Mm -hmm. where 
if they simply had somebody standing there when you got off the bus and said, hey, if you're hungry, the cafeteria is over here. You can go get a snack. Um, if you need your luggage, you're going to go over here to get your luggage. And then your bunk assignment is over here. And then there's somebody who's going to walk you to your bunk to show you where it is. Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of them don't do a good job with that. But I'm using I'm using my childhood experience as an example that you can do that in with this virtual receptionist. You can do that where you can basically just give them the 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 details they need to know so that they don't feel lost the next time that they call the same phone number and get somebody else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially in the legal the legal process where everything is unknown. Everything can be scary. To have that direction and those steps definitely sets everyone up for success. Awesome. So, I mean, there's so much that we, that Brie, that we have to discuss and there's just not going to be enough time. We're almost at the end of our time together now. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think we're going to have to have you back, but um, one of the things that I want to understand is how much can you give to a virtual receptionist to do? How embedded can they be in your process um, you, you already talked about the fact that they could schedule a consult, right? Um, can they take somebody's information and put it into a CRM? Can they actually kick off, uh, you know, an email to them with requesting documents and things like that? Like where, where does the virtual reception role stop and the, and the law firm role, um, start, and, you know, and how much can you lean on the on the virtual receptionist to do some of the stuff that may perhaps historically has been done in house? I think that the the virtual reception service can absolutely be the first impression for the law firm. So it can be the triage for new clients versus existing clients. If chambers are calling in opposing counsel, I would recommend having all calls initially go through to a virtual reception option. Um, the reason for that is because if you have someone in-house that's maybe a hybrid between virtual reception, maybe legal assistant, paralegal, wearing all of these hats, you're paying them more than $300 a month for an answering service or, or what hat, even if it's $800 a month, depending on your volume. So you're paying them a salary. So you should have them focus on their really high value tasks. Answering 25 calls a day from solicitors is not a high value task. That is something that an answering service should be weeding out for you. Um, but one of the common mistakes that I see when someone hires an answering service like us is they come to us and say, yep, my script is simple. You know, Jenny has been doing it in the office for 15 years. I'll send you over the script. And it's like 25 pages of like really complex intake questions and different nuances that, of course, you know, your in-house receptionist has learned because they're only answering calls for one firm their entire life. So keeping in mind fair expectations when you're outsourcing it. I do think that simple is better have your answering service ask maybe 10 questions that you know does pre-qualify these leads to get on your calendar. Um, 
A lot of services like Lex, we build based around the minute. So we try to keep the calls as short and sweet as possible with still trying to get the most valuable information. So I think that definitely differentiating between an answering service and an in-house receptionist is really, really important. The in-house receptionist is going to be able to do a lot more than an answering service can do, but have them ask the questions that you know 100% um, are going to qualify your leads and also to kind of piggyback off that, give them a little bit of information maybe about price. People always call in and they, one of the also deciding factors next to responsiveness is price transparency. Um, leads want to know, how is this going to be 10000 Is this going to be 50000 How much is this thing going to cost me? People have no idea. Mm-hmm. So give your answering service a little bit to go off of. Keep it vague, but let them know we have free consultations, we have payment plans availability, um, and it's really custom per person. But I think giving some frequently asked questions is also really, really helpful. I say try to limit limit it to maybe five or six if you're going to outsource to an answering service so they don't get lost in five pages of frequently asked questions that they have to sort through because and then that's a dead giveaway that they're not even affiliated with the office if they have to search for five minutes to find the answer. Right. Um, So I mean, this brings up another question. Like, do you work with pods? Like there's these five receptionists are going to be answering my call or is it any one of the receptionists on our team? And we have 200 receptionists. Any one of them could be answering the call. It's anyone. It's any one of the, and we, we do have about 150 receptionists. Now we're 24 seven, so they don't all work at the same time, but primarily um, Monday through Saturday from 5am to 5pm is like the hot times for us. Um, We typically answer about 15,000 calls a day, Monday through Friday. So that's where the majority of our staff is going to be working. But when we have smaller groups, I know that this is ideal. This is is what attorneys say, you know, that they want naturally and rightfully so. But for an answering service like us, it's tough because most of our clients are solo, they're small law firms. So they might only get five or six calls a day, maybe 10 calls a day over a 24 hour window to have a receptionist just kind of sitting and like waiting. And some attorneys go three or four days without a single call and then 25 on Friday. So it's, we try to staff based around expected call volume, but it would go to one of, you know, many, many agents. And that's one thing why I'm saying, try to keep it as simple as possible while you're outsourcing these calls. Mm-hmm. And, and so having, so, so if after, um, if after a, a, uh, let's say a consult is booked, um, we then need them to, we then need this person to get an email with a, you know, a, a welcome packet and, and mm-hmm. here's some information we need from you. Um, is that something that we need to build an automation for, or is that something that could be kicked off manually by the receptionist? A combination of both. I would, we have um, at Lex a free service. It's called document sending. And a lot of our clients will utilize that for the potential new clients. So we can let them know kind of the next step on your journey is to be on the lookout for the welcome packet. There's a couple of forms that you'll want to sign. It'll tell you what to bring to your consultation as well. Um, So be on the lookout for that. That is absolutely something I would recommend having the answering service set up and or your CRM system right when you enter 
feature them, have that automated. Um, that's something that your staff should, you or, you know, the attorney or your staff should not be manually doing. That is 100% automated. How are, how are the receptionists entering stuff into the CRM? Does the client give like a login credentials and, and, and instructions or, or are, is everybody trained on every single CRM out there? How does that work? So the, that's a great question. And the CRM integration is a great tool. Lots and lots of attorneys are using them. Um, we actually would have the integration set up on the back end when mm -hmm. a client sets up the script, we make sure that the, the script is ready. We test it. The CRM integration is the very last piece. Our team configures that. Um, and then the receptionist doesn't actually know that it's happening on the back end. They don't have to log in. We've already set that up before they go live. So um, that's something that's completely on the back end. And then once we collect all the information, it would just automatically show up in, you know, a Clio or Lawmatics, Practice Panther, those type of um, CRMs we have our integrations with. Got it. Got it. All makes a lot of sense. That's for sure. Um, and how, how does Lex reception, I know there's, there's many options out there. How does Lex reception bill? Is it, is it by call volume or is it by, by uh, time uh, on the call? It's by time on the call. And all of our all of our pricing is right on on our website, so you can check us out. But yeah, typically our our small attorneys, um, our small law firm solos are paying anywhere from, on average, maybe three to five hundred dollars a month, from anywhere from maybe five to six calls a day up to maybe. 15 calls a day is kind of that range. Um, so it, it typically breaks down to be less than 10 bucks a day and it's 24 hours. We also have English and Spanish. We work with a ton of immigration firms, um, which trying to hire somebody is really, really tricky, let alone someone who's bilingual um, is also really tricky. So, so that's um, a nice little um, addition to the services, having that bilingual capability. Mm -hmm. Now is every receptionist bilingual or, or they, when they realize it's a Spanish speaking person on the line, they can get somebody Spanish speaking on. I wish everyone was bilingual, um, but they usually, it depends on kind of the ratio of the client's calls. If they tell us we're strictly immigration and 90% of our calls are going to be bilingual, we'll just priority route those over to our Spanish team. If they're like, well, it's like 20%. Sometimes I get them. Then we will, to kind of keep the Spanish speaking agents available, we will route them just in our kind of regular standard routing. And then immediately people usually start speaking Spanish when we answer in English. And so we'd say, um, put them on just a brief hold, transfer over to the Spanish line, and then they would take it from there. Got it. Um, okay, really interesting stuff. And, um, uh, you know, like I said earlier, there's a lot more that we that we can cover, we'll have to get you back on for another uh, sequel episode here on the profit with law podcast. Uh, when, when I wrap up with with my guests, what I like to do is I like to ask you to leave one uh, final piece of advice that you have for our listeners uh, could be something that we covered already or something new. And then uh, if somebody wants to check you out, take the next step with Lex reception or uh, reach out to you personally, is there any um, next uh, steps or call to actions that you want to leave with our audience? Mm, absolutely. So the first to your first question about the, the piece of advice, I think that for me, it would tie into learning 
And I think that that ties nicely back to our, our conversation here about hiring um, and scaling, scaling law firms as well. I, I think as a leader, I've really leaned into the importance of being a learn-it-all and not a know-it-all. Um, just in life. And I, that would be my piece of advice is if, if you can take 30 minutes a day and step away from your computer and listen to a TED talk or listen to a, you know, HBR, read an article, um, do that and share it. Um, here at, at our company, we have paid learning time. So 30 minutes a day, 150 minutes a week, every employee is um, required to learn. Um, and there's so much that comes out of that, not only in, in leadership, but just as an employee benefit as well. So I, I think learning, learning is everything. And then lastly, um, I just I want to say thank you so much for this platform and for everything that you're doing for, for law firms and all the content and ama amazing education that you're sharing. This is really, really great. And if anybody wants to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Also, the website, you can reach out. And if anyone who's listening wants to have a conversation about the service or thinks I want to try it out for a month or two, there's no contracts. We would love to have you mention this podcast and receive $100 off your first month um, as just kind of a, a bonus and a thank you for listening in. I really appreciate you sharing that, Brie, and for uh, giving our listeners a, a discount that's definitely appreciated. Uh, folks, uh, like I said at the beginning, of the episode, we're going to have all of the uh, links and stuff in the resources section of the show notes page. So you can go to profitwithlaw.com uh, or look in the description of your podcast episode. It should be uh, in your podcast player it should be there uh, as well. Uh, Bree, thank you very much for your time, for sharing so openly. Uh, really love your journey. Love everything that you had to sh share today. I think that uh, this is going to go down as a popular one in the books. Well, time will tell. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, based on our download numbers. Uh, but if this is your first time listening to the Profit With Law podcast and you really loved this interview with Bree, we have uh, two things that we want you to do. Number one, hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so that uh, you get notified every time we release a new episode. And number two, uh, go back and binge. There's over 300 episodes in the queue that you can just go and listen to, uh, get lost, um, and, uh, and, and really there's a ton of value, uh, hidden value here in, uh, the podcast directory that you can just, uh, really dive in, um, and get, uh, get to know a lot of really amazing people and get some really good information. Uh, and if you are on the accelerated growth path, uh, but it doesn't feel like you're accelerating very quickly, um, maybe it's feels like you're pressing the gas and the brake at the same time, or you're parked on the shoulder of the highway with your business growth, then you definitely want to book a free coaching call with one of our coaches. You can get their profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching. Um, they will be happy to help you see where you might be getting stuck, what, how you might be getting in your own way, uh, keeping yourself from growing. Um, maybe you don't have a virtual reception service and you need to start there. Uh, but our coaches uh, will help you figure that out. And that's absolutely free. At the end of the coaching call, you will be, um, if you if uh, you meet the criteria, you will be offered uh, to join our elite uh, lawyers coaching program uh, where we work with you for 12 months to double your revenue and 10X your profit. And if that's something that you're interested in, uh, you definitely can take us up on that, uh, but there's absolutely no requirement to do so. So you can have that free coaching call and you can completely ignore the sales pitch at the end. Uh, it's not a high pressure sales environment. We really are there to help you. And if 
all you need is is the help on the first part of that call that's great um but if not if you want to join me for a year and you really want to move the needle in your business then the only way to do that is by getting together with one of our coaches and having that call first so profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching we will see you next week take care have you been enjoying the show we sure hope so to make sure you never miss an episode be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app next week we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level